having too good a time to start speaking. That's a good thing. I have been in church where they didn't talk to each other. You came with your four and no more, and you left with your four and no more. And you didn't know nothing about the person across the aisle from you. That's a sad indictment. I don't see that in the book. So praise God. You're already a Bible-believing church. You're talking to one another. So hallelujah. Well, let's pray and we'll get started this morning. Lord, it's a good day, Father. Lord, I, I opened my eyes this morning. I drew breath in my lungs. I have a roof over my head, shoes upon my feet. Lord, I went downstairs and I had a hot cup of coffee this morning. I had a little bit of breakfast to eat. Father, I, Lord, I'm a blessed man. I'm a rich man. Lord, you bless me in ways beyond my comprehension. There's going to come a day when I get to fully see this, the, this, the books laid before me of my life where you went before me, God, and you moved evil and heartache out of my way, and I never even knew it. So, Father, I thank you for the blessings I can see, and I thank you so much for the blessings that I don't see yet, God. Let us always be mindful you're a good Father, a good God. And within your arms, Lord, there is safety, there is providence, provision, protection, and love. There's correction there as well, but Father, your correction brings safety to your servant. Father, it says, by your words I am warned. Your law warns me, God. And I'm grateful for that. We need you, Holy Spirit, this morning. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Um, before we get started, uh, you know, I was listening, one of my new favorite Christian singers is Zach Williams, and I like him because he just sings like, if my voice cracks, I don't care. <laughs> he just sings, man. He's not trying to entertain. He reminds me of our worship team because they just, they're coming to praise God. Hunter's coming to praise God, and if you want to come along, then come along, right? It's like we're going to enter into God's presence. We know the way. If you want to, come on. So the only thing stopping you from entering into God's presence this morning is you. Is you. And I believe the Holy Spirit is moving in our church. He's been moving from day one. Before we ever even started the church and planted the church, God has been moving. And he's been moving in your life. And Zach Williams sings a song um, called uh, Rescue Story. It's an awesome song. And one of the lines in the song is, um, what is that? Oh, um, what was it? Oh, you were writing the pages before I had a name, before I needed grace. And man, he was singing that song. And I started to weep when I heard those. You were writing the pages before I even had a name. Before I needed grace, you were writing the pages of my life. And Psalm 56, 8 says that you catch my tears in a bottle, Lord. You number my wanderings. Are they not written in your book? And I'm here to tell you, God's got a book with your name on it. And he wants to write good things. He has plans written out for you. And I urge you to walk in them. He's not going to make you. 
He didn't create you an automaton. It's why we have the drug called free will. God wants us to make a free will choice to follow him, to give our heart to him, and then walk in his statutes, in his commands, and his law. And that's really what my sermon today about is, is to, about today, if I can stop stumbling over my words. And the title of my sermon today is Law or Liberty? And, and if I was going to subtitle it, I'd say, why not both? Why not law and liberty? And I was thinking about, when we're speaking about the Christian life, why don't we teach in Christian teaching that there is liberty within the law of God? We always teach that you come to Jesus and you're not under the curse of the law. Well, that's true, you're not. That's a different kind of law. We're not talking about the Ten Commandments. Can I say to you that the Ten Commandments have never gone out of style? It's still where we need to be walking. It's still the guide map for our lives. Law or liberty, the big lie, what's the big lie? The big lie that the enemy would try to speak to your minds as a Christian is that the law is restrictive. The law is restrictive and not protective. I'm here to tell you today to correct that in your mind that the law is not restrictive at all. The law of God is not restrictive. It is protective. Satan deceived Adam and Eve into believing that God's one and only rule, one law, was restrictive, didn't he? You know? You got this one thing you've got to keep. That's it. And it was to protect them, not restrict them. But what did he say? God's trying to limit you. He's trying to limit you. He's trying to stop you from becoming all that you can be, striving for excellence, be the master of your destiny. I can tell you right now, I was the master of my destiny and it ended in destruction and failure. It wasn't until I turned my life over to God and said, Father, you know what's best for me. And I don't care if you've built an empire or you've raised a family and worked every day. If you're trying to build your own destiny and be the master of it, you're going to fail. We have to submit. One of the hardest things as a, as a human being is surrender to God. We must die to self. Many of us become Christians, but we, we stop there. We struggle at the surrender part. Present your body as a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice is a sacrifice that's being laid on the altar every day. I get up every morning and, and during my prayers and devotions and things, and I'll say, God, help me to be a good man. God, help me to be a godly man today. Because if he told me to ask for daily bread every day, provision every day, I'm, I'm going to ask for him, his help every day to be a godly man a godly man. And you say, well, I, I asked God one time, I said, God, why is this, you know, it seems like the ninth hour in this and provision. And God's like, if I gave you a year's worth of bread, you wouldn't pray or talk to me again until the year was up. Give us this day our daily bread. God's a God of relationship. We see the law as divisive, trying to put restriction on us and bind us, but it's not at all. It's not at all. When you talk about rebellion, which was in the heart of Satan, rebellion promises freedom, doesn't it? When we look at the 60s and the, hey man, you know, we're just going to do our own thing. We're rebelling against the man. Yeah. The heart of rebellion. It, it, it speaks on and promises uh, freedom 
and self-governance. I can tell you right now, you can't govern yourself. You need God's provision, God's intellect, God's plan. If he's writing the pages of my life, who better to go to than the author of my book? I've seen a lot of moving of the Holy Spirit in our church. I've had a lot of the moving of the Holy Spirit in my own life. If you uh, don't understand the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we we preach the full gospel here and uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit and the spiritual gifts. And if you're confused about some of those things, get with me, get with Pastor B. We'd be more than happy to talk to you about those things. Uh, There's an empowerment that comes with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And there's many manifestational gifts that follow it. And I've experienced many of those giftings and those times when the Lord poured himself out on me and the Holy Spirit touched me. And I can tell you, you know, Pastor was talking about one of those times last week about when we had an episode where there was a, a young boy who was, had a demonic presence. And I can tell you right now that the, the demonic realm is subject unto a believer in Jesus' name. That day, that thing was subject unto the power of Jesus' name in me. It wasn't subject unto me. I'm just a craftsman that does things. I work with my hands. I'm nobody's Einstein. But when I began to speak about the power of who Jesus is, that he's not merely a man, he is God in the flesh. And I began to quote the first chapter of the Gospel of John, and I began to say, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. And in him was life, and that life was the light of men. And I looked at that boy and I said, Jeremy, Jesus is God. That thing was afraid because Jesus was there. Not just some guy that works with his hands. When you're in the presence of evil, Jesus is there and there's nothing that can by any means hurt you and harm you. And so one, and why? Man, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but we need God's law. We need to walk in the provision of God's law. Why? Because there's confidence, there's protection. There's provision and comfort within the confines, the boundaries of God's law. They did a study where they put a playground out in the field and the children, they went out and they played on the little playground set and they wouldn't venture away from it. They went back, they put a fence around it and the children explored the entirety of the fenced-in area while they were playing. They felt safe to venture out from the playground. The enemy says that there's, there's restriction in God's law. Our nature is to be nurtured by God. Proverbs 14, 12, and 13. Let's look there. Hopefully I won't have to break my glasses out. It says that there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. There's a way that seems right to you. The enemies talked you into it. This seems right. But its end is the way of death. Proverbs 14, verse 12. Verse 13, it says, even in laughter the heart may sorrow and the end of mirth may be grief. And what that's meaning is, is you can be going through hell and trying to put a smile on your face. And I can tell you, if you're trying to lead your own life and run your own life, 
you're going to feel that way. You're going to be, oh, everything's under control. It's falling apart. It's falling apart. Because there's a way that seems right to man, but its end, and the, and the way end is death. It's death. This started this sermon in my mind about law or liberty. It's been weeks back. I was going to work one morning, and I'm driving to back roads, a lot of back roads. And uh, I'm pulling around there, and I look, and it's a state trooper falls in behind me. You ever had that happen? I was like, <gasps> immediately, I get scared. I get nervous. I started driving so careful, I started driving bad. You ever, you're like, you're overcompensating, you're slowing down, you're doing all the things that are typical of somebody with a DUI that's driving intoxicated at that point. I was trying to drive so good, I was driving like I was intoxicated. And I'm like, oh gosh, because in my younger days, it is what it is. <laughs> but I remember not having two nickels to rub together. Now, I'm either going to get the truck inspected. Now, I believe in following the law, so don't get the wrong impression of me. My family are from the mountains of Virginia, and sometimes you make your own laws. But I believe in following the laws, right? But when we didn't have two nickels rubbed together and I got to feed babies, pay the electric bill, or get the registration renewed on the car and it inspected, guess what's going to happen? I'm feeding babies, paying electric bill, and getting gas. The registration and inspection are going to have to wait, right? So needless to say, I've driven to work many a time like, Lord, please don't let me. I'm, I'm praying to help me break the law here, God. Please don't let me get stopped. And so I'm riding along, and suddenly I realized I'm not breaking any laws. My car is legal. The registration's updated. The inspection's good. Huh. And I, I was like, out loud, I was like, huh. Started driving normal again. Which, as I've gotten older, I drive the speed limit now. Don't say nothing. I'm looking at my wife. And I tend to drive the speed limit now that I'm getting older. And I'm like, I'm not breaking any laws. And it was like I could hear the voice of the Lord inside say to me, that's what it's like living within the boundaries of my word, son, of my law. Don't you feel relieved? Don't you feel peace? Don't you feel protected? If my car would have broke down or I'd have had an accident, the help is right there. But it's when we get outside of the boundaries of God's law, his precepts, his commands, it's chaos. It's chaos. And we don't want to live there. And I thought I was laughing. You know, if somebody would have come by and could see me, they'd be like, what's wrong with that guy? Because it was kind of, I was shocked and it was funny. I was like, Lord, I thank you that I don't have to choose between feeding my babies and the lights on and keeping the car inspection updated because God is a good God of provision, you know? Um, maybe I could have done things a little differently. Oh, well, that ship's sailing. The thing of it is, is that I'm getting up every day 
and trying to be a good man, a godly man, a godly father, a godly husband. I'm not perfect at it, but I'm not resting on my own accomplishments, what I think I know. I go to this word every day and I say, God, renew my mind, renew my spirit with your word, your law, your precepts, Father. Speak to me, God. And one of the, I was talking about spiritual giftings in, uh, earlier, and the, and the reason why was because one of the most powerful spiritual giftings I believe that we can walk in is wisdom and discernment. The Holy Spirit's here to give you wisdom and discernment. And, and I have walked in uh, several of those giftings, the, the manifestational giftings before in my life. And if God is, chooses to, I'll walk in them again. Uh, I make no presupposition about that. But what I will say is the one constant is, Lord, give me wisdom and give me discernment what to do in this moment and this time. You know, whatever area that is, you about to buy a car? Did the red paint drive you or did the spirit of God drive you, right? You know, did you back up and say, Lord, should I buy that car? No. You say, you pray about buying another car? Absolutely. I don't know of anything that I really do that I don't pray and ask God first, Holy Spirit, what, what do you want? How do you see this playing out for me? You know? Um, now, I haven't done a, a fleece whether I'm going to eat eggs or oatmeal for breakfast in the morning. That's not what I'm talking about. Um, but I'm saying there, there's no big decisions really in my life that I do not consult with the Holy Spirit of God. God, what do you want? What do you want to say to me? So if you turn over to Psalm 19, I won't be playing too much Bible bingo with you today. I was reading this way back, and I shared some of this with the men on the other Friday night. We talked a little bit about this. But in Psalms 19, verse 7, start reading there. Now, if you read uh, Psalm 19, what you'll notice is that in the first six verses, it's, it talks, it says God. And that's the uh, non-specific name for God. It's El, E-L. And so, like, if you were to just start reading there when it says in verse 1 of 19, it says, the heavens declare the glory of God. In Hebrew, that would have been written out E-L, El. Just the just non-specific name of God. And so the first six verses is a non-specific name of God is being used. And then what you notice is when you drop down from verse seven on, when he refers to God, he's using the word Lord. And it's Lord spelled cap with all capital letters, capital L, capital O, capital R, and capital D. This is what would be in Hebrew, in the writings, it would have been spelled Yahweh. Y-H-W-H. And what it stands for is the most holy name of God. It is the name that he used when he was speaking to Moses. I am the self-existent one is what it means. I caused to be. Creation itself is born of me. The idea of even creating is born in me, God says. Now see, God is not a God that he is everywhere, but God is not so one with nature that he can't exist outside of it. That, that's, that teaching is in error. See, God is, he transcends time, space, earth, matter, you. He's self-existent. 
And so when it's saying here in verse 7 that the law of the Lord is perfect, it's saying that the law of the self-existent one, creation itself was born in him. His law is perfect. There is no other law that's perfect. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. That word converting there actually when it was written in Hebrew is restoring the soul. Because see, it's all about restoring relationship with him. Relationship with him. I preached a sermon a while back called God's Heartache. And the Israelites were upset and they were saying, all this bad stuff has happened to us. But they weren't confessing the fact that they'd been worshiping idols. And they were saying, God, take your hand out of your bosom and save us. Why haven't you extended your right hand? And it's saying, take your hand out of your bosom, they were saying, and save us. And when I read that, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me inside. He said, the question is not why am I judging them or why aren't I protecting them, but why is my hand in my bosom over my heart to start with, son? Why is my hand here and not here in provision and protection? And I was like, wow, I don't know, Father, why is that? And all I heard was in my mind and my spirit was heartache. And suddenly in my spirit, man, in my mind's eye, I could picture God's like provision over Israel and, and you. And when we fall into our old life and our old sins and they went chasing after idols and God goes, oh, oh man. And what we see is God's judgment and his anger is really his heartache. And then we begin to blame the one who died for us, who stepped out of glory and was nailed to a tree across for us for this judgment when it's our fault. We caused the heartache, he's holding back his, ah, and then we say, well, why aren't you providing provision? And God has said, My, if we could see the parameters of God's law as his arms, come, come into the arms of the Father. There's protection here. There's provision here. There's comfort here. There's blessing here. There's not chaos. I can tell you right now, an alcoholic in the fit of a drunken fit, when, he gets, when it starts winding down on him, terror enters his heart and his mind. He becomes confused. We've had testimony of it. Where they've taken a Bible, still inebriated somewhat and held it on their chest praying for peace. Because the Bible says that God has put eternity in the heart of man. And even in our lowest, filthiest pit, I need God. There's protection, there's provision, there's peace. And there's no chaos within the, the borders of God's law. If we could just bring ourselves to understand it's not restrictive. The enemy's there in your ear saying, oh, God don't want to let you do this, and God don't want to let you do that, and you can't do this, and you can't do that. When the Bible says that I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me, but understand something that the Bible also says that you, God, are of purer eyes than to behold wickedness. And when we return as a dog to our vomit, our old sin life, God can't be a part of that. He won't be a part of that. And here we go again. You're risking the provision of God withdrawing when we break his heart. 
because he wants to restore relationship. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is pure, making wise the simple wisdom. God, give me wisdom. Give me discernment. I'm not the sharpest guy around. But God, if I'm walking in you and I'm asking for your guidance, this says, when I look to your word, that your testimonies are sure and they will make me wise. They will make me wise. Verse 8 says that the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. I just read in Proverbs where it said that there's a way that seems right in the heart of man, but it ends in death, right, and destruction. And that that same guy who's acting all happy on the outside, he's full of grief inside. This says that when I walk in God's statutes, they're right and they will rejoice my heart. You know that word statutes, I... I'm a nerd, so I got in there and I like to pick stuff apart and I got to looking and reading and it literally means to cut, inscribe. To cut, to inscribe. Literally, God wants his law inscribed in your heart, inscribed into your heart. Because out of the abundance of the, mo- mouth, the heart, the mouth speaks. And with our mouths, we have creative power. So you need to be speaking blessing and not cursing. How are you going to speak blessing if there's cursing in your heart? How do I get cursing and death out of my heart? I inscribe the word of God there. I sit down with this book. I spend more time in it than I do other things. Just, we're going to pursue what we love. When I was... I hunted a lot. And I went from hunting in tree stands to hunting on the ground because it's harder and from hunting with a gun to hunting with a bow. And, and I wanted to hunt with not just any bow, but just basic, you know, recurved bows and no sights. And then I wanted to hunt with wood arrows and make it harder, you know. And I was consumed with it. And uh, just, I, it, it ate up a lot of my time. And how much time do I spend pursuing God compared with pursuing my other passions. What am I passionate about? And by being passionate about the things of the Lord, when I talked about that young man, Jeremy, before, I'm going to tell you right now, listen to me. You don't have to be this spiritual superstar on TV for the demonic to bow at the name of Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God within you, charges that. But when the madman of Gadara shows up, it's not the time to be going through a list of, God, please forgive me for viewing pornography this week. God, please forgive me to speak in hate on the internet about sister so-and-so this week. When the demonic shows up, it's not the time to be cleaning your house. When the madman of Gadara shows up naked and screaming, he's ripped ropes and chains off of him because he's full of demons, is not the time for you to be going around and doing house cleaning. That's not the time. We are to be ready all the time to give an account. And that's why within the, the boundaries of God's law, there's confidence. When I'm walking in the commands of my Lord, it doesn't matter what raises its head up. It doesn't, in the name of Jesus, shut your lying mouth. When I said that, 
that boy fell like a limp rag in my hands. I'm telling you right now, I work with my hands. I'm Joe Blow nobody. Whoever you are, the Holy Spirit of God is more powerful. Greater is he that's within you than he that's in the world. So who is the he that's within you is what I would ask you this morning. And whoever you are that's listening, wherever you are in the world. I walked up to a yogi in India, and I was over there, and when you were talking about Jeannie and that guy, and, and, and I walked up, he was sitting on his shelf, like, and he was all painted up, and he had a lungi on. It's like a, just a wrap of cloth. He's all painted with white paint. His hair is all funky, and he's sitting there going, hum, 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 hum. And I just walked up to him, I looked at him. I don't know what he's saying. And I grinned at him, and I'm just saying, I said, my God's greater than yours. My God's greater than yours. Not me, my God. Because I serve the specific. When, when, when David is writing from verse 7 on, Yahweh, that is a specific intimate revelation right there from seven on. David is saying, I have seen this in my own life. It has been revealed to me. I have lived this, David is saying, that the law of the Lord is perfect. It restores my soul, David is saying. The testimonies of the Lord are sure. It has made me wise. David is saying by my own experience, I've experienced this. I've tried things in my own right and they all failed. And he says in verse eight that the statutes of the Lord are right. They rejoiced his heart, David's saying. See, because verse one through six is the non-specific name he used there. But when he got down into verse seven, it's where the metal meets the meat. When the madman of Gadara shows up at your house, it's your house. I've went through my house in the middle of the night and anointed the doorposts and lentils with oil. And you can use Cresco or Wesson oil, God don't care. If God says, get up and get some oil out your cabinet, son, and anoint your house with oil and, and rebuke the devourer over your home, you're the spiritual head in this house. Kick him out. And then ask God, how did he get in? Did I let him in or did he show back up thinking he could get a crack in? And if God shows you, you let him in because you watched this, you read this, you looked at this, or you said this. The Holy Spirit show you discernment. And David is saying, I have physically experienced these things from verse seven down about God's law. We don't need to be running around trying to get prayed up, read up, when the madman of Gadara shows up. You need to already be there. I'm trying to help you out. You need to already be there. Don't make mistakes that I've made. I've missed opportunities to witness before because I felt shame. I wasn't living like I was supposed to be living for God. And an opportunity, eternity. When I say the metal meets the meat, I mean it. This isn't mortal combat. This is immortal combat we're in right here, y'all. People are dying, going to hell every day. And I, I have, God had put someone in front of me, and I, I, 
he was telling me things to say, the Holy Spirit, in my, and I, I didn't. I was like, oh, man, I'm a, uh, man, the enemy's there. Da, 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 you know what you did. They don't, they'll know. The minute you open your mouth, they'll know. And I cowered and I didn't say anything. But I'm gonna tell you one thing. I pleaded for forgiveness afterwards and said, God, give me another chance. Don't give up on your servant, Lord. Help me, Lord, every day to be a good man, a godly man, Lord, every day. It says that the law of the Lord, it goes on, and David is just talking about his experience. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. You ever, and don't raise your hand, <laughs> a pastor says that sometimes to you when he asks you a question, you ever been in a, a time in your life where it's like, man, my life just don't feel clean. It would just hit you out of the blue. This tells me that the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgment of the Lord, verse nine, the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, is warned. Now, I take that two ways. God's warning me to not do wrong things, but also he's going to warn me that's a bad business deal. Don't buy that house or don't buy that car or don't go in business with that guy. I had a situation like that one time in my life. I just, God was just like, I had discernment enough at that point. I had a little bit enough to know that's the spirit of God saying, don't. (laughs) Don't. Because see, when there's less of me and more of God, then we don't have that white noise of my opinion in the background. When God's trying to talk to me, when God's trying to talk to me, The more of God, the less white noise and the background noise and the more I can hear his voice. And in keeping his law, there is great reward. Now, there's reward in heaven in the by and by, but I'm talking about in this life. The same man that wrote this also wrote, I would have lost heart had I not believed I would have seen the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living right now. God wants to give you a reward right now. What does that look like? We automatically think money might be. Might be. I've experienced that. Many times in our lives, I was down. That was it, man. We didn't have any money. And I left here one day, and there was a gift bag in my little car. And it it was one of them cars. You ever have a car you drive around, and you got a bunch of tools in the trunk? Right? Some of you shaking your head. Because you might need them that day. To get to work. <laughs> you know, you stop, you go work on your car. And, you know, I didn't just have screwdrivers or pliers. I had tools in the trunk of the car, you know, because we might have to rebuild something on the side of the road. And, and, and in this little car was a gift bag, and it was one of these great big old plastic jugs, a clear jug of planter's peanuts. Well, it was empty of peanuts and full of change. And it was quarters and dimes, some nickels and some pennies, but mostly quarters and dimes. And it was full. 
it was full. I'm like, great, dang. So I took it home and I set it on the counter and, and I had actually preached that Sunday and I didn't think about it, I was tired and, and I sat back and, and um, all at once I hear this sound of this change being dumped out on the counter, like loud, like I'm sleeping and it, my kids were dumping that sucker out on the counter. And I'm like, what in the world? How much money do you think this is, Dad? I was like, I don't know. It's probably a couple hundred dollars in there, you know. What? I'm like, there's a lot of quarters there. And they're counting it and having fun and laughing. And I thought about it. I said, Lord, now this is the way our mind thinks. But God wants to change how you think about him and his provision, the boundaries of his law. I said, God, it was like a couple hundred dollars and some change. I said, God, it would have, wouldn't it have been easier you hand somebody just paper money? Right? God says, yeah. But your children saw my provision spread out. You say what you want. You believe what you want. More to be desired are they than gold and much fine gold. The coins on my counter like jewels in front of them. The sound of change jingling out like praise to God. He said, they saw my provision poured out on your counter, son. And if you'd have been given $200 in paper money, you'd have folded stuff in your pocket and went straight and put it in the bank to pay a bill. And you can still take that money and pay a bill, son, but your children got to see the provision of the Lord in a lesson that they will never forget and you will never forget. And you can smell that I have still have that can at home. And if you take the top off, it still smells like peanuts. And every time when the funds are low and you have to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, son, and you smell and you taste peanut butter, you will always forever remember the provision of the Lord. Won't you, son? And I ain't saying nothing at this point. Because the law of the Lord is perfect, making wise the simple. And I needed to be made wise in the workings and the movings of God. And it's not always what you see and what you think. He's going to move in ways that you can't even imagine. At times when you think, he, where are you, God? And he's like, I've been here all along. Even in the crying, your tears are in the bottle. You number my wanderings, Lord. They're written in your book, God. It's so much easier to keep track of you, though, if you're walking within the boundaries of God's law. And he's not trying to reach out here for you. Ah, he, mm, I've been there. You know, you, my walk start off like this, and then I get that zigzag thing going on. And then... Focus on the law of the Lord, the word of God. And he would back in, back in, son. And then it got less and less of the zigzags. They got smaller and smaller until we're on that, we're in the boundaries of God's law. David is saying, I was an unwise man, but God's law brought me wisdom. I was warned by it. 
It says, verse 12, who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret faults. Keep me back. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and I shall be innocent of great transgression. Lord, keep me in this. And it keeps me from all that other stuff the enemy has planned for me. Inside the boundaries of God's law, hell can rage out here. Doesn't bother me. Do do you understand what I'm saying? It's not restrictive. The law of the Lord is protective. Let's see. And finally, verse 14, it says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Put good in, good comes out. If there's power to create in my words, I want the source of my words to be good. Does that make sense? Took me a while to get that one. (laughs) It took me a while to get that one. The law of the Lord inscribed on our hearts. Look at Romans, what did I say? T, Romans 2. I think that's what I said. Yes, Romans 2.29, I think is right. And Paul is talking about the law. Understand, I'm I'm talking about the Ten Commandments. I'm not talking about the Levitical laws. Most of the Levitical laws was to try to keep a million people healthy while they're camping out together. I mean, go read it. That's basically what the Levitical laws are, a lot of it. Some of it is around holiness and their sacrifice. But a lot of it, you got a million people camping out together, we got to keep them healthy. So it's, you know, it's about eating and cleansing and stuff. We're talking about um, a physical um, thing that the Jews did called circumcision. And in Romans chapter 2, verse 29, it says, But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. When we keep God's law in our heart, the Ten Commandments, it's there. And Jesus said, I broke it all down to one. Because if we can love God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength, we're going to love our neighbor as ourselves. If we love our neighbor as ourselves, we're not going to murder him. We're not going to cheat with his wife. We're not going to steal from him. You getting it? You see that, right? So if we love the Lord God, so, so Jesus is saying, fall in love with God, a relationship. The law of the Lord is perfect, it says, restoring the soul, restoring relationship. Our soul is restored when our relationship with God is restored. So this is saying, I want it cut into your heart. When it says that the statutes of the Lord, they're they're pure, they're, they're in cut. The statute means to cut in. So what's interesting is when you turn to, um, now turn back to the Old Testament, to Jeremiah 17. I think that's right. Yes, 17.1. Judah had went, ran after other gods. They, they had sinned. They, uh, and here in Jeremiah, the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar had surrounded Jerusalem. He had besieged the city. And, and Jeremiah is telling them, you, you need to surrender. The city's going to fall. 
There's no way you can stop this now. It's gone too far. We don't want to go too far. We don't want God to give us over to a reprobate mind. And here in 17.1, it says that the sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron. With the point of a diamond, it is engraved on the tablet of their heart and on the horns of your altars. The places where they worshiped. God would say, where are you worshiping at? What do you worship? You come to church on Sunday. Where do you worship the other six days of the week? At what altar do you bow? Is it the altar of money? Is it the altar of personal entertainment? What altar are you bowing at? Because these things are going to be inscribed with a pen of iron, right? And the statutes of God need to be inscribed in our heart with a pen of iron. This says the sins of Judah were written with a pen of iron, with the point of a diamond it is engraved on the tablets of their heart and on the horns of your altars. Let's understand we're fighting this, this flesh that we drag around. It's dead. It says that the spirit lusts against the flesh and the flesh lusts against the spirit and the two are contrary to one another. Paul said the things I want to do, I don't do and the things I don't want to do, I always find myself doing, oh, wretched man that I am. But see, when we're walking with Jesus and we're walking in the boundaries of God's word, those things fall away. We feed the beast and starve our spirit, man. The beast rises up. We need to starve the beast. It needs to be put to death. Jeremiah 17, 9 says this about the heart. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? That word desperately wicked is incurably sick. That's literally what it means. The heart is incurably sick. You're in need of a heart transplant. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Our heart, the old man has to die. And thinking about that, I was like, how many times have I made excuse for my flesh? Made excuse for my, you know, I would fail and fall into sin. Well, that's just me. No, that's the old me. He's supposed to be dead. You wouldn't bring a rabid dog in your house and make friends with it and pet it and then turn it loose around your children, would you? But when we bring that sin nature and we feed that thing, it's not your friend. It will turn on you in a minute and eat you alive. Last scripture. Turn away back to Genesis. Almighty quiet. I hope it's because y'all are all holy and you've lived all this. And I'm... I don't have Facebook, so y'all can't get me there. You're going to have to say it in person if you're going to say it to me. But in Genesis chapter 4, we never read from the front of the book, do we? Seems like there's a great lesson right in the front of the book, right? Chapter 4, verse 7. Cain, Abel and Cain, you know, break it down, right? You know the story, your church folks. Y'all supposed to know this one. Abel made a sacrifice. There has to be shedding of blood to cover sin. It's only, God doesn't have, you understand it's in God's forbearance. 
his patience, he accepts that. <laughs> okay, so he says, kill an animal, just like I did for your mom and your dad. They sinned. I killed an animal. Its blood was shed. It was ugly. It was visceral. It's where the metal meets the meat. When they killed the sacrifice in the Old Testament, you brought it in. You, get, you walked up there with the, police, with the priest. You took a sharp knife and you slit its throat. And it bled out for your sin. Every dude was well aware of the consequences for what he had done the whole year. And so he's telling Abel, you take an animal, and Cain, you do the same. Just like I killed animals, and I took the skins and covered your mom and dad's sin, you need to take and bring an animal, sacrifice his life for your sin. Abel did it. Cain brought an unacceptable sacrifice, and he, he brought vegetables and things. That's not what God told him to do. If God would have told him to do that, it would have been fine. It wasn't about the fruit. It was about obedience. He didn't do what God had told him. God admonished him, and he's all mad about it. Understand, Cain has not killed his brother yet. It says, God tells him, if you do well, will you not be accepted? If you walk within the boundaries of God's law, there is blessing, there is reward, there's peace, there's wisdom. Will you not be accepted? And if you do well, if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you but you should rule over it. Do you know that, that it, it is showing that it's personifying sin right there as a demon crouched down at Cain's door waiting? You crack it just a little bit. It's desires for you, Cain, and for your children, and for your grandchildren, and your grandchildren's children. This demonic presence that is trying to talk to you right now, Cain, to get you to kill your brother is crouched at the door. It's waiting for you to crack it open. And God tells Cain, rule over that thing. God's telling you this morning, I don't know what that is in your life. I don't know. I know what it is in my life. God has told me, Joel, rule over that thing. Rule it. It's desires for you. And not only for you, but for your wife and your son and your two daughters and your grandchild. It's for, it wants them. It wants their life. This is a rabid dog after you. But in the confines, the boundaries of my law, there's provision and protection. It's not restrictive, son. It's protective. But we don't see it that way. We've, been, we've believed the lie that there's something out there that's better. We're missing out on something. You're not missing out on anything. Understand, you're not missing out on anything. Anything. Well, that's it. Pastor's going to come and we're going to close. I hope you got something out of that. I hope you didn't feel like I was fussing at you. God hadn't revealed any secret sin you have to me. If he did, I wouldn't tell you from the pulpit.
God's a gentleman, but I can tell you right now, you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you don't know Jesus, you need to meet him today. You need to meet him today. There needs to be marked, measurable change in your life if you are a believer. Are you growing in the Lord? I love what Pastor said about there was a sweet lady, Miss Clark, was in our little neighborhood, and she was a godly woman, uh, Pentecostal holiness, and she would get out there in the sun and read her Bible and pray and rock in the spirit, man. And she confronted him. It was a God moment right at the convenience store. He was going back to work, to, you know, working. He's preparing a home and a job to get married. And she said, Bernie, is Jesus more real to you today than he was yesterday? If you don't know Jesus, then he needs to be real to you. If you do know Jesus, is he more real today for you than he was when you first got saved? Are you still passionate about him? Can you say that the law of the Lord rejoices my heart? The law of the Lord makes me wise. Or this week did some little sin bring shame and you had an opportunity to witness, but you didn't. Stay until your feet, I'm gonna pray for you. And then pastor's coming. Father God, we're so grateful for your word, Lord. I need your word. Like David said, I can say Yahweh has sent this word to me. I've seen your word bring wisdom to my heart. I've seen your word, Lord. When that young man stood there and, and, and he was screaming at me to get away from him and, and, and he had to get away from me, Lord, it was because of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I didn't have to run around wandering and confessing some secret sin when the madman of Gadara showed up. Lord, help us to go home tonight and say, God, help me to get right. It's where the mellow meets the meat in this battle we're in, God. My wife's life hangs in the balance. My children, my grandchildren, my neighbor and their children. Help us, Lord. Help us to see. Open our eyes to see into the spirit realm, God. That you're there. The power is there. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that easily besets us, God. We, it says it easily besets us. You told Cain to rule over that thing. Help us, Father, to walk in that power, God, that anointing. Your people can do that this morning, Lord. Help them to realize it this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Joel. Creating me a clean heart, O oh God. Amen. Every day we should pray that. Creating me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a right spirit within me. You know, that Psalms 19 was a song, actually. We used to sing in youth 40-some years ago, you know. The law of the Lord is perfect, enduring the soul. And in the, the chorus is always verse 12 and 13. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey or the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, is thy servant warned. And in keeping of them, there is great reward. Keeping the law of the Lord, there's great reward. We should desire it more than anything. Great word. Thank you, Pastor Joel. Just a couple of housekeeping things. Tomorrow night, we're going to have over a thousand people of our community right here on our property. We had 1,600, I think it was, last year. Uh, some of you are sitting in the sanctuary today. You can't, I had a couple catch me after service last week and said, we are here 
in your church because of No Fright Fun Night. And um, we're not doing this as a membership drive. You understand? I've seen churches do that. It's a turnoff to me. We're taking Jesus Christ to people that don't know him. Where they go to church is they go where God leads them. Now, I pray that God will lead them here. I don't think there's a better place for them, but I can be a little biased in that opinion. <laughs> but that's not, what we're, that's not why we're doing this. We want to give them Jesus now. And, and I'm praying for tomorrow night. I'm praying God. Somebody said bad weather. Listen, even the wind and the waves obey his voice. And I said, God, you, you got that taken care of. I turn that over to you, God. We're going to have good weather, and we're going to get this done. Amen. Because God controls that. Not 12 news, all right? The weatherman or whoever, meteorologist, whatever. And people are coming that need Jesus, all right? You have what they need. And, and I'm counting on all of you to be here. And you don't have to be an evangelist. Just go love on people. Reach out yourself and just try to try to find an opportunity to be Jesus to somebody you know you may just help somebody get in their car I don't I mean you know to point them to where the hot dogs are at or just anything just be here and and be Jesus to somebody now if you're coming and I hope you are everybody in the church we're probably going to need every parking space that we have we we almost ran out of parking last year we had the parking lot full. That field was full. And if people hadn't started leaving out, we wouldn't have had places for people to park coming in. I mean, there was that many people. And I'm thinking, this, this was the, that was the first year we did it here. And now the word's getting out. Brother Mark Byerly has put up signs all over everywhere. I'm seeing them everywhere I go. You know, he's really worked hard. God, thank you so much for what he's done. And so we're expecting a bigger crowd this year than we had last year. So if you attend church here, what we're going to ask you to do, if, if you get here early enough, drive careful because there's a single lane here. And if somebody's coming out, just you're going to have to alternate coming in and out. But if you go around in the back and park in the back back here, that'll leave us more parking spaces in the field and out front. Okay. So if you can do that, you'll see where to park. So there'll be some people parked back there. Um, so if you do that, and we're going to be, uh, coming out tomorrow, some of you, and setting up. We're going to be setting up some this evening. So if you want to stay and help with that, that's, that's fine too. Okay? Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Um, next Sunday, I won't be preaching next Sunday. Brother Seth Bean is going to be bringing the word next Sunday. I, I'm going to be doing a wedding and stuff. So I was like, you know, it would be nice if I could really just go and concentrate on that and being a blessing to that family. And So I'm going to let him preach next week and I'm looking forward to that. Amen. Besides, you probably get tired of hearing me preach every Sunday. All right. So it gives you a break. And, and also next month, you want to put it on your calendar, Brother David Zadaka is going to be here. David Zadaka is a Jewish professor in the largest Hebrew university in the world. He, go, he flies from America to Jerusalem and uh, preaches in, and teaches in the seminary there. David Sadaka, and he's going to be here uh, next month. I, I'll have to get the data. I think it's the 20-something. So anyway, put that on your calendar. Amen. Father, we just thank you so much, Lord, for your word. God, we thank you that it is yes and amen. It's true, God. It is alive today as much as the day you, you, you moved on the hearts of men to pen it. 
And, and Lord, it still has life, God, and it still speaks life into our life. And we thank you so much for it, Lord. Help us to walk in it, God. If there's somebody here this morning, Lord, and, and they've opened that door, God, and sin has crouched there and it has pounced upon them, God, and they're just under the weight of that, Lord, we pray that you just set them free now in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, even right now, God, we open our altars for anyone that needs prayer. God, you move on their heart, Lord. May we meet with them, Lord, as our worship team takes us into your presence, Lord. In Jesus' name. Brittany, take us to the throne, if you would, before we close in prayer. Amen. While they sing, if you want prayer, just come on to the altar. We'll be more than glad to be with you and pray with you. Amen.
told you're a wise man not to have Facebook. Because I'm old and I don't know how some of that stuff works. And I, I actually, I didn't do this on purpose, church. And, and I'm, I'm going to tell you straight up, I, I opened something up that I wish I hadn't pushed that button. Because I, I get these friend requests and I have no idea who these people are. And I'm like, who is that? And I made the terrible mistake of clicking on that. And I'm like, and, and they, it's this person. And they're like, there's a video. I'm like, well, maybe this will explain who they are. Don't push the video button. Trust me. I'm like, oh, my Lord. And I, it wasn't something that was alluring. It was, I felt like I'd been puked on. And then you're trying to, like, how do I close this thing, you know? And now I'm getting hundreds of people you may know, and they're all from Mexico. I'm like, and, and it's all in Spanish. I'm like, I don't know. And I don't, is anybody knows how you can stop all of that? Young people, I need your help. Either I'm going to have to do that or close this thing up because I'm like, every, I'll clean it. You hit remove, right? I'll take them all out. The next day, there's another hundred in there. I'm like, how? I, I don't know how to stop this thing. You know, it's like a runaway train. And, and I didn't mean to open that door. But, brother, you can open the door and the enemy try to crouch on you when you don't even mean to open it. So just be careful. I'm telling you, it's not good. Amen. And I'm like, little girl, does your daddy know what you're doing? What would you do if your daddy opened that up and saw that? Shame on you. And the guys too. I mean, it, I'm not picking on you girls, but there is some terrible stuff out there, friend. And I'm telling you, that, that, I'm married to the most beautiful woman in the world. Why would I need any of that stuff? Amen. Come on now. All right, let me get off of that. It's, it's bad, Jim. Boy, I'm going to tell you, fool. The things people do, I'm like, good grief. I'm too bashful for that kind of stuff. I, I'm all right. Lord, we, God, we want to be Jesus to our community. Father, we pray, Lord, that you help us, Father, to be real, to be genuine, God, to just love on people, Lord. We pray for the anointing of your Holy Spirit, God. Lord, like Pastor Joel said, it's not us, God. It's not me. It's, it's you, Lord. And we just want your presence here in this place, Lord, we want it here tomorrow, God, when we try to be Jesus, Lord, to the people that come here. Now, Lord, there's people that's going to be showing up tomorrow. that They may have never heard your name used except in a curse word. And, Father, we want them to hear Jesus used with the power of the Holy Spirit, God, so that it speaks, Lord. It breaks through the natural restraints of the human mind and the human spirit, and it speaks right straight to their heart, God. And, Lord, may it be a, a drawing. Lord, you said if you be lifted up, that you would draw all men unto you. So, Father, we just want to lift your name, God. And as we do, Father, we pray that you draw by your Holy Spirit those who will be here tomorrow, God. May they see, Lord, that the most valuable thing that they have is their soul. And, God, you said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? So, Lord, we want to give them something, Lord, in exchange for their soul. And it's you, Jesus. It's you. So, Lord, help us to do that, Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, as we leave today, Father, I pray a blessing over the body of Christ, Lord, over every home that is represented here. Lord, may the Holy Spirit be welcome in our homes, Lord. God, may we never do anything that he would be ashamed of, Lord. God, strengthen the family, husbands and their wives, Father. 
parents and their children, siblings, one with each other. In Jesus' name, Lord. God, those that are walking their journey alone, Lord, help them find that special person, Lord, that you've chosen for them to walk their journey together with, Lord. God, if they're happy just to live content by themselves, Lord, you be their mate and their comfort. I pray in Jesus' name. no confusion the darkness can never hide your resurrection the power that lives inside Jesus our anthem our only way to truth the gospel is freedom we live and we Promise is proven, the evidence.